Welcome to the Foyne Jones Show Survival Special. In this mini-series of my podcast, I'll be talking to the industry's most charismatic leaders about the impact coronavirus has had on their daily trading. We will discuss their battle plans to fight back and share advice and guidance on how we can stay positive and optimistic in the most trying of times. Okay, here we go. It's the next episode of my podcast. These are the survival specials, but it does look like we all are surviving and beginning to come out of the other side into a new normal. So as we go into new normal, I've changed changed it around a little bit in terms of my guests, and we've got some really exciting people joining us. Today, we as well as talking about the crisis and how we're going to do things differently in the new normal, we're going to talk about one of my favourite subjects in the world, pie mashing liquor, and another thing that we're going to reflect on nostalgia, we're going to bring a big red Rootmaster bus. Damien Walters, they'll know it's you from them two subjects. Welcome to the Foyne Jones Show. Good to catch up with you again, mate. It's been too long, hasn't it? It certainly has, mate. And you, you talk about coming out of the crisis, mate. Some of us will be coming out with a slightly better tan than others. So, uh... oh, I mean, mate, mate, for the benefits of people who are not on the podcast, I am I am like dark brown at the moment, mate. I'm, <laughs> I'm one of them tourists, right? You put me in a hot country, I go beetroot red and get, get sunstroke first day because I drink too much and have too much sun. Yeah. Then I go from beetroot red to lobster pink and then I go really dark brown. So, um, so I'm hoping to do it. But we were laughing and joking, Damien, before we started recording, mate. But it's amazing in the lockdown. We have, I mean, you know, I've got 21-year-old, nearly 18-year-old son. So we're all at home. We've ate more together. We've probably, as a, myself and my wife, we've drunk more alcohol than we would normally do. But we've also exercised. So it has been like a, a, a shift in everything, hasn't it, really? Yeah. Do you know, do you know what? Uh, I've said, whilst it's come at a really horrible price for a lot of people, mate, uh, I think there'll be a lot of good that comes out of this situation. And, and for our industry in particular, I think some of that will be really quite good. That our sort of appreciation of our home life now is, is a million miles away from perhaps where it was. I know I certainly appreciate my environment more than I ever have done because I've spent more time there probably over the last 10 weeks than I have the last 10 years. So no, big, big time, mate, big time. And, and it's almost like, you know, that, that you, you take things away that I thought meant everything. I can't go and watch Fulham. Right. So that to me is like, well, what do you mean? What do I do? How do I, how can I exist without going to watch Fulham? And, and sadly, I mean, you know this anyway, a lot of the listeners will know this. I lost a really close friend and it was, it was his funeral yesterday. Um, and we couldn't all go to the funeral. So Fulham and the family, they, we did this amazing thing yesterday where we all gathered along Stevenage Road, uh, which is the, the, the road for Fulham Football Club's on. And, um, yeah, it was flowers down, shirts up and that sort of stuff. But the hearse, you know, everyone was distant, but the hearse drove all the way down. It stood at the gates. And um, no you know, it, was, it was a touch of class where different generations of football fans, you know, there was some of the undesirables there, some of the real fans. But people you haven't seen, I thought, oh, God, yeah, I thought you was in prison. I, I thought you were good, you know. But you see people <laughs> you haven't seen for so long. I'm, I'm, I'm 45 and I'm thinking, like, I grew up with these people. And yeah. what, what do we do when you don't have football? And the conversations we were having were like, I've done some gardening, I'm exercising, I'm doing this. And you've got the ones with the younger children, they're doing the Joe Wicks and the homeschooling. So, yeah. so we are in a different thing. But but have you have you coped okay as a family, mate? Because I always like going, just getting that angle first, just as well as a business angle. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, so, so from a family point of view, my kids, I've got twin boys who are just 13. Uh, and I've got an eight-year-old daughter. I say eight, going on 18. Uh, <laughs> some days, mate. Uh, but yeah, no, do you know what? I think we're doing okay. We're, we're quite fortunate. We uh, we live out in the sticks a little bit, and therefore we've got a bit of space to move around. So 
Where, where are you now, David? Because you're South London boy originally, aren't you? Originally out of South London, but now I'm in. Uh, I'm on the dark side now. I'm over in Essex. So I'm, I guess I'm between Brentwood and Thurrock. So if you're used to the Dartford crossing, I'm about sort of 20 minutes, half an hour yeah. from there. But whilst I'm, I'm, I'm probably in a bit of an urban area, um, where I live is, is a little bit further out from that, only marginally, but the, the space that you get is, is fantastic. Yeah, it does make a difference. Like, I, was, I was in Fulham yesterday and, um, you know, I waved at me, me in-laws through their window and we left some flowers down and, and stuff like that. And um, then, you know, and I just took coming through Putney over the bridge and I, I was just conscious of this. This has always been my home, but for the last 10 years, I've been down in Sussex. So I'm in a little town called Lewis near Brighton. So, you know, I, I am, and I realise now how blessed I am. I'm I've in Riverside offices which lead me onto the Downs. I've got the countryside around me. Um, okay. Try and avoid Brighton Beach and stuff like that, mate, because that's like, that's, like, that's like Piccadilly Circus down there. But, but yeah. you've got this and you... You kind of appreciate. I appreciate it more. There's, you know, I look out this the window in front of the office and I see the tops of the downs, and I'm like, I often used to see people up there thinking, well, how'd they get up there then? And now, now I realise it's 15 minutes if, yeah. I, if I'm actually bothered. So you have got this new sense of togetherness. But my family's, you know, we we've taken it hard with with the boys being furloughed and going back, and my wife was made redundant, and you know. Yeah. It was, there is pressure points when it can be like a scene of EastEnders, you know, and yeah. it really can. And there's other times when you're thinking, wow, you know, this is this is simple yet yet beautiful. And, and we came, yeah. I think, come out of it in a positive place. But that kind of leads me on, mate, that, you know, we, we, we work really hard on that work-life balance, don't we? So you've just said something there, and we go back to it. You've spent more time with your family at home in the last, let's say, two months. In the last 10 weeks, you're having 10 years. Yeah. That's, that's mental that it takes a pandemic to, to make you, to, to help achieve that, doesn't it? Do, do you know what? Um, yes, it does. And it's, it's sad, actually, well, that I think people are kind of... Uh, ch change is usually initiated uh, through need as opposed to through want. And I think this is just a, just, just another example of it, but on a completely different scale, of course. Uh, yeah, do you know what? There's a lot of things in life that I think will change as a result of this. And... You know, the home-work-life balance is, is definitely one of them, albeit I've been busy every day and I've been in the office every day for the last... I love, I love that post you put out. I don't know what one it is, because there's always a bit of humour, like, called it this, that. There's like there's an angle of personality there, which I love, because I'm about that. But yeah. you put one there saying, like, you know, I've been working for the last nine weeks on my own. And, and, like, and, and I know what that feels like. Yeah, it's yeah. challenging, isn't it? Do you know what? It's been it's been really really tough, and I don't unless you've actually done it, I don't think people will understand. That say, uh, you know, I, I don't underestimate the work that the wife does at home with the kids. Uh, you know, because I tried doing that, I tried working from home, and it didn't work. I didn't have the right internet connection, and the, the distractions were far too complicated yeah. for me. I, I, I'm more comfortable than that. I don't have the right discipline at work from home, regardless, yeah, yeah. regardless of the situation. So yeah. I, I think that. Um, I'm lucky that I can I can walk to the office. I don't see anyone. You know, there's there's a few biz, few lonely business owners on different floors of this this little development that that have yeah. been coming in almost you know every day or every other day. Yeah, your hours are slightly different, and you yeah. you juggle it around. But but it's been like a sanctuary for me, and it's also been a source of loneliness. And yeah. and you do you realise? I think that you know you can 
approach so many things differently and 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 be supportive and and give positive messages out and that's the yeah. and that's the challenge isn't it because we often in these podcasts we get people to tell us what they've been doing and how they've been about it but everyone knows what you've been doing do you know what i mean because it, <laughs> it's so visible the support yeah. you've been putting out the protected everything you're doing but yeah. there's, there's a lot of negative noise mate out there at the moment and then it's kind of it's starting to do my head in a little bit yeah, do you, do you know what? There's there's quite a bit of negativity out there, and I think in, in typical fashion, um, you know, uh, as Brits, we stick together when uh, when the chips are against us, and uh, you know, the first few weeks of the lockdown, people were very together, and you know, nobody could do anything wrong, and there was this sort of feeling of togetherness, and mm. and all of a sudden, as we start to see the green shoots of uh, of, of the future, uh, we seem to want to focus on attacking people, and whether that's attacking retailers for decisions they make or uh, government advisors for decisions that they make. I think, you know, we're just we're, we just kind of latch on to to negativity. But I don't think it's going to do us any favours at all. I, I genuinely believe that, uh, and this is the only bit of doom and gloom you're going to get out of me today. Is I think the challenging times are ahead, and we, but we don't need to make those any more difficult than they're already going to be. Um, mm -hmm. Let's let's work together for Christ's sake, uh, and, uh, and and let's have a spirit that this Dunkirk spirit that we can carry forward and. I think one thing's for sure, this industry that I work in in, in particular is a, is a very, very good industry with great people, great businesses, great brands involved in it. And we have all got the capability to come through this if we work together. But we've got to focus on the positives. We've got to look for the future. Uh, we've got to accept that there's going to be some negatives. That, that's just that's all part and parcel of this, sadly. Um, but we have got to focus on what's important to us, our businesses and our families and focus on this recovery because that's 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 critical in all of this. Joe, you know what? I mean, that's yeah, I, I, I was just listening, nodding away because that's you know, you you, you pitch that well, you say it well, but it, it's it's actually a simple message that, that you're saying with passion and belief because yeah, it is not going to be straightforward, it, it's not going to be easy. I, I, I know that from, from what I do, you know, so so I've had to look at what I do and and be really creative and and, and understand where I can help businesses. So, yeah, the way I help businesses might not be. A, a targeted headhunt of the best person on the market. It might be actually helping a business that's got three vacancies and 400 applications and doesn't know where to stick or twist, doesn't even know where to go with it. So you yeah. know, you're offering different services from outsourcing to attraction, for me, consultancy, mentoring and coaching. Yeah. Um, and that, I mean, that because coaching and mentoring, mate, that was born out of heartbreak because early on, some of those companies you mentioned that made maybe the wrong decisions for the right right reasons or wrong decisions for the wrong reasons you don't know. My phone was going and going and going, messages and messages, and it's it's heartbreak, redundancy, lost my yeah. job. What can I do? What can I do? Yeah. And at that time, you take call after call and you end the day and you're thinking, whoa, you know, I've now got to try and lift myself. I've got to lift my family and I'm dealing with yeah. that. And I had nothing to give back. So yeah. you move them on to, we moved on to weekly redundancy support webinars and different networking groups so people can talk to each other. Yeah. And then some people wanted more help and you say, well, I can give you more help, but if you need a couple of hours, we've got to come up with something that, that helps me and helps you and then career coaching and mentoring come out of those type of conversations and it and it is it's been it's been so refreshing for me to see people that i've spoken to and given advice where they've reached out themselves to potential employers or businesses to to try and help them they're getting engagement and they're getting they're getting little gigs you know we'll come yeah. in a couple of weeks here do something remotely and you think that's the good that's the power of social media doing things yeah. the right way and yeah. how we can help people and and we have almost 
overnight with with, with the with Dominic Cummings and you know the the, the 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 we can go out again. No, we can't. We can open. Yes, we can. How do we open? We've almost suddenly become completely critical again. Forgotten that no one actually knows whether they're making the right decision. Yeah, or yeah. And you're not going to get it. about you and the BIK behind me, but I'm changing my mind daily. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I'm yeah. changing my mood daily. So if I'm changing my mind about what we should and we shouldn't do daily, everyone's in the same situation. And I guess you talk to the KBB industry that way. I talk to them sort of this way from the, the customer-facing showrooms and the designers and the, the owners. And, you know, we need to make sure that if that works together, and I love that the way you put that, if that works together, we can go again because the need's going to be there, isn't it? So what was, what's the big, big message you're giving out your members, mate, to, to the people you're talking to? Well, I mean, if the first things first for us is, is is really how we decipher all of that information that exists out there, mate. And that, that's 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 the key thing for us. Government, to be fair, have been accused of not giving too much information and then criticised again for giving too much information. So I don't think they could ever win, um, certainly in the eyes of some. Um, but our, our sort of uh, uh, our core of what we're doing at the moment is is helping our members to navigate through these really uncertain times and linking them to the support that's available to them. So that's number one. Um, but we've, we've kind of sort of passed through that phase now. And our next phase really is about helping our members to recover and return in a safe way. Um, but we're looking at it from a slightly different angle. So I think there's lots of businesses that are looking at the angle of, you know, returning safely, which should absolutely be at the heart of decisions moving forward. Um, but there is another angle to it that people seem to be forgetting. And that is about how we install peace of mind into the consumer that will have real concerns around investing in our industry. And I think, I think the retailers are doing a really good job of that. So the way that they're, that they're sort of returning to work, the social distancing that's being put into place, all the, all the things that you're expecting to see retailers do. But the big thing that retailers must remember is the consumer will always have in the back of their mind, someone's got to fit it. Someone's got to come in my home and bring this evil beast that's coronavirus in with them, potentially. So the next phase of activity for us is how, A, we get our members to understand what a safe operating practice actually is, B, how to practically implement that for the safety of all, but C, how they can share that knowledge with their customers to provide that peace of mind that, that, that enables that customer to make an informed decision which gets the whole industry moving again. Because that's, that's the key bit. One, one thing coronavirus has done is taught us that our home is our sanctuary. And one thing that's been spoken to about us is that if you stay at home, likelihood of you getting it is very slim uh, than if you leave home. And, and therefore, we're looking at our homes as being this, this sort of desert island amongst these choppy waters around us, and, and we're all right and we're safe here. Now, that's great up until the point you want a new kitchen, bedroom, or a bathroom fitted. All of a sudden, you're opening the door to this evil killer that could come in and destroy everything that you've done over the last 10 or 11 weeks, and, and worse still, affect the health of you and your family. But 
It doesn't have to be but that. But that's, that's real, though, right? Because I'll give, give you different examples, just a way, well, so, so, certainly a way for to stand. So two things that we've had conversations about about recently is that my, 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 my youngest son is convinced our internet's not working, right? He's like, it's, like you know, we've got, like, we, I, I think the next the next strength you can get that we don't, that we've got is NASA. If, you if you're not NASA, like, we've got it all. GCHQ, we've got the, so, but it's, it's you know, he's, he's gaming, it's not working, it's that, and he's, he's going around turning off each one's devices. So we've done all the tests and stuff. And they're like, look, you know, it's just, that's the way it is. Okay. The next option is to get an engineer out. All right. So I'm like, okay, we'll get an engineer out. We've got the line guard. It's fine. They'll come out. And my missus quite right. He said, well, hold on. Why do we want an engineer to come in? You know, it's, all the tests are saying it's working. What, what's he going to do? And yeah. I want him coming in to do this and that. And I'm like, you know, now, now that's something that happened in, in my life. Another one is we've got some, um, we've got like a townhouse. So we've got balcony up back behind the kitchen. It's decked and stuff like that. We've done a lot of traffic on there with the sun baby and stuff like that. It's all pinging up left, right, centre. And it's a, I'm not that good at DIY. The, Mrs. Jones normally takes care of that, Damien, which, you know, which is why. But it's a little bit outside of us. And again, same conversation. We'll just get someone around. Oh, but who and how and when will they come in? Yeah. So we're having that on almost a very short in and out. Because they're yeah. only like half hour fixes, if that, do you know what I mean? Someone who's going to take their bathroom out, take their kitchen out, have their flooring done, go back into a, a refurbishment, that, yeah. that's even more worrying if they're going to be in the property. So, yeah. so that, yeah. that that peace of mind is something that, that really has to has to be protected and thought of because otherwise that's one of your worst protective. But, but if that isn't right, no matter what's going on here, all the good here is not going to get to the end user, is it? Correct, yeah, and that, and that's the, that's the key point, really, and that will be the decision-making uh, process for every consumer right now. So, I guess our job is to educate that this can be done safely. It will mean differences, mind you. So, this isn't business as usual; far from it. Um, businesses, people will need to do things differently, but we can still achieve good results if we do that. And so, a educating the uh, the, the the installer, but b how do we educate the consumer and let them know that they're in safe hands if they invest into our into our marketplace? And as I say, I think a lot of effort's been put in at the front end in terms of retailers, in terms of how we do it from a even a delivery point of view. Yeah. There's some great stuff going on out there, but nobody's really thought of installations. And, and but 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 that's what we're here to do, and, and that's yeah. what we're doing at the moment. So you know, providing that peace of mind and the perception of this industry is going to be critical moving forward. And we must be very mindful of that as an industry, because if we if we forget about it and perhaps, you know, dare I say, uh, we treat installations like perhaps we have done previously um, and, and we just bolt it on at the end, then I think we're going to be some, there's going to be some disappointed industry people out there, be that re retailers, distributors, manufacturers or whatever, because, you know, uh, this industry is 100% reliant on customers spending their money with us. Yeah. And, and if they don't, for whatever reason, whether that's installation, design, whatever it may be, price, economic, whatever it may be, then we're all in trouble, you know, to a point. So, And that's right, because I'm, I'm talking to, to business owners, you know, they've got multi-showrooms, single showrooms, and they're, and, they're, and they're encouraged, you know, they're, they're, they're talking to customers online, they're doing appointments, you know, they're inviting them into the showroom by appointment, and they're, and they're, yeah. they're starting to go again, and some of the people are coming back from further, and you can actually see that, you know, there, there is... There is stuff starting to happen. I've never seen so much content on social media now of what of what people have done before and how they're planning yeah. to do it. But you are only as good as that as that next situation where 
it's not been embraced by by any sort of, or, or something's gone wrong or that or that piece right. of negativity's there. Yeah. So I think, I think preparing to execute the installation and and understanding what what you can you can't do and how it will work. That's that's got to be mission critical for you and, your, and, and what you're doing, isn't it? Well, I think not just for us, but for everybody. Yes, yeah. the, the the output of what we do is critical for the entire industry for, for sure. Uh, and I guess that's why we continue to put pleas out to the industry to come and support us in doing what we're doing. Mm. You know, we're sadly, um, you know, we've always been the industry's poorest relation, and, and so we should be. Uh, we're not selling anything shiny or designing anything amazing that's going to change lives. Um, what we do is probably the sort of dirty end of the stick, if you know what I mean. And and therefore, the result of that is that there's no money at this end. So typically for us, things are a struggle on a daily basis anyway. You know, mm. if we buy a, a new printer for the office, that's a considered purchase. That's not just something that we do because we need one. Um, so that that's really important. Chuck a pandemic in the mix. And of course, the people that are hit, you know, it, arguably the hardest are the self-employed. Big time, uh, you know, because that's and that's, and that's you know, I, 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 for example, and again, I know you've shared this, I've put it out in different ways. You know, I, I was sometimes when I feel sorry for myself, I, I'm the hard done by a business owner who's sort of you know, I'm not I'm not saving the world, I'm not doing this, I'm just trying to protect my family, protect my yeah. business, and, and make sure we've got a future. But then I was talking to some of my mates yesterday, and you know, which I'm talking to black cabbies, you know, these are, these are proper black cab drivers, right? So they've had to deal with Uber for the last few for the last few years, and that was yeah. you know, they've had to deal with that now. Now they're dealing with. I mean, some of them are just. They're just. just I can't even cover my diesel. I'm not even going out, Jonesy. Yeah. Like, yeah. What are you doing? And then you've got. Yeah. There was. Listen. There are people I grew up with, mate. So there's a population of self-employed carpenters, builders, electricians. You know, that's that's kind of the world world I'm from. And and yeah. some of them have got million pound businesses. Others have got small businesses. But yeah. when you look at how they're impacted and and what it means to them, and. It, it is it is tough and and to get through it they've got to partner with the right businesses they've got to keep that customer loyalty and, and i've seen it from from everyone's side now that that there isn't unless you've got an amazing high net worth and a private jet and you know you, you can really kind of alienate yourself from it yeah it is affecting us all and and i think what with what you're doing um you know but you but what i guess what people don't see mate about is, is as well as what you're doing behind the scenes when you're when you're at it sort of like you know trying to talk to government and trying to you know because you, you're, you're doing the the, the the real deal really isn't it it's, you're not just a voice online it, it's the lobbying the talking the communicating does, yeah. does that get draining mate uh, do, do you know what? It just—I mean, it's, it's very difficult to do in ordinary circumstances when you've got a team of people around you. But obviously, the one thing that you've you've had to do, and, and we have to do as business owners and business uh, leaders, should I say, is that we're we're doing all of that without our team around us, and and we're also not only thinking of ourselves and our business, but we're also thinking of our our people and their families. Uh, and, and I guess with a membership organisation, you go one step more than that as well. So I'm also thinking of the installers and all of their families, and they're very much on the forefront of, of everything that we do. So, you know, it, it, it is difficult, but what you've got to do and what what every business has got to do is, is, is a few things. First of all is prioritise, you know, what's most important to them. What do you do and in what order will depend on how well you come out of this. Um, you know, I, I guess the next thing that you do is that you you make sure that everything you get involved in adds value to to the, the overall vision, and and that's what we do. You know, prioritisation and only getting involved in the stuff that's important has always, I guess, been on the, the the agenda of ours. But more importantly now than ever, because 
you know, sadly, there aren't enough hours in the day for us to get what we need to get done. Yeah. And, and, and that, that, that's something I, I'm acutely aware of, right? Because yeah. at the moment, uh, you know, I'm I'm recording my podcast. I'm doing social media. I'm I'm, I'm if we, we've got we've actually got. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say it, I've got recruitment projects underway. You know, I've got there's interviews going ahead today at a distance. I'll be doing videos. I've got. I mean, you've got a big two o'clock. I've got a video interview at two o'clock after this, and and that's that's really encouraging. But but I'm I'm now appreciate. All the support I had that you know that, that would that enables you to get to where you want to get to. Man. When you got yeah. it all yourself, it's like you know, oh, my tax was I've got to do I've got to do company, companies, companies, company, company, uh, company accounts by the end of the month. And I'm like, well, you throwing that in as well? Just just give me a break. But but you you have to take it with uh, with, with with the best you can. And I think yeah. those three things: prioritize, prioritize, look at things which can have value. And, and be realistic. That's that's sound advice. That transcends every everything, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it should do. But I think we just need to be far more picky, and and, and we should spend a little bit more on strategy now than, than 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 perhaps we have in the past. And I think that's the problem with a lot of small businesses. And you look at you look at businesses that we interact with in particular. Most of these are hardworking tradespeople that are very vocational in terms of their their career. Um, and often put most of their effort into the operational delivery of their service, don't really give a lot of strategy time. Um, and and, and that's, that's why a lot of these micro SMEs don't get any bigger than that. Don't get me wrong, they have lovely lives, and, and that's great, and they, and they do a great job, but they have these aspirations to get bigger, but don't really give enough time to strategy. And, and I think what lockdown has done is probably given people the opportunity to do that, Albeit, you know, sad, sad to say that not everybody would have taken that opportunity and been positive about it, and yeah, that's yeah. that. That will be a missed opportunity for many. No, and, and, and again, that that's that's that that luxury of time and how you use it. I've had more conversations with business owners about my about how where I come up with my content. Where where, where how do you think of those videos? Where you know, I'm like the, the actual videos, not that. That's quite. That's okay. You just press play and you just talk. You know, you don't need yeah. to talk. But but actually thinking about your message, that's what you you put that in before. So I'm yeah, talking to people. I spoke more about digital marketing. I spoke more about social media content. I spoke more about you know what, how you can yeah, yeah virtual showroom something I'm partnering with now. You know, let, let's get your showroom online. If, if people yeah. are looking and you can get the hit, hits and you know you've got good designers who can do it from home. Let's get, get some interaction going. So building yeah. those sort of conversations where people can become, you know, you're SME, you know, that guy that maybe he's doing doing kitchens up, up the road in, in, in Haywards Heath, he could become like a, a mini celebrity in Haywards Heath in terms of the work he's done, yeah. he's putting out. But Jim don't want to do that because Jim, 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 Jim's really busy on the job and he loves that. So and how's he going to get the skills? So so there's so many different ways that will come out in the normal differently. That, that that we know that there'll be there'll be things people fall by the wayside, there'll be natural wastage, but I think I think the good will become better. Uh, yeah. there'll be lots of people that aspire to become good and there. And I do hope, mate, that we we keep seeing the good in humanity, not the bad in humanity. And if there is the bad in humanity, let's fucking ignore it. I like at the start, mate, I didn't care about people blocked by and toilet bowls. It really didn't bother me that much. Yeah. But when, when the tubes were full, I'm like, that's a bit naughty. Are they full? Yeah, actually they are. Uh, kind of, we've got to try and get it right. One of the crazy things in, for me is that the, 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 night, the night we went into lockdown, everyone had one last hurrah, didn't they? Let's all go out and have one last drink and the, the boosters were giving the gear away. And you know, 
what's what did that do to, to catapult yeah. to catapult yeah. the spreading? But yeah, yeah. I think I think it's easier to put us in lockdown than it is to come out of it. But I've got a question for you, mate. Sure. Um, and this is something that I'm really passionate about. And Gary Baker, his podcast went out, it will go out Friday before this one. And yeah. he, you know what he's doing with Fiesta and apprenticeships and stuff like that. You know what I'm about in terms of the younger generation, making yeah. what your what your members do, making what my businesses do in Merchant and KBB more attractive to those people. What you, what impact do you think it's going to be on the younger generation, the, the apprentices, even the mature apprentices, but those people that are looking to break into an industry to get a trade, to get a career? How, how do you see that rolling out, mate? Well, you know what? It's a, it's a good question. So, sadly, for, for decades, uh, there's been no investment, really, in our particular part of the industry. So, I think apprenticeships are certainly no, uh, nothing new. I think the delivery of the apprenticeship now is definitely new, but apprenticeships in terms of the principal uh, have been around for a long time. The, the difference is, is that there's never really been an apprenticeship there that's been specifically for our industry. There's been trades around it, carpentry, electric, plumbing, plastering, tiling, and all of that stuff around it. Uh, where we've really failed, I guess, as an industry is to have an apprenticeship that's specifically for fitted interiors. So a couple of things um, that, 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 that we'll miss out on is, is sadly, a couple of generations probably of people that have not really considered it because they didn't even realize it was there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you, mate, but when I left school, I was told not to use my hands. I, you know, go, go into the city or go, go to university. I didn't do the university bit. I went straight into the city and started making money. Um, uh, and that was the route that I took. But, you know, if you, you realize that these are short lived things. And, and the net result of that is, is fast forward 10, 20 years, 20 years in my case, sadly, Fast forward all that time, and there's a generation missing of mm -hmm. tradespeople, and that and that's where we are today. So our work and the work that we do is about really encouraging people to understand the opportunities that exist, while simultaneously running uh, or developing an apprenticeship that is specifically for kitchen, bedroom, and bathroom installation. And we've done that, and we're rolling it out. But as I've said on a number of occasions, this skills gap that we that we've got at the moment um, that people will be be forgiven for thinking well it's not really affecting me it's fine it's you know i'm okay with it but you only have to look at what other industries have done uh and, and how other industries have suffered as a result of skills gaps to, to realize the potential damage that's available to us here in in our industry and that is you've got this nucleus of installers these professionals that fit you know to a good standard that pot is reducing because there's no backfilling from anywhere so Whereas the EU used to chuck few few people in at the top, migrants coming in and doing that work, that doesn't exist anymore. And if it if it does, it's certainly in much lower numbers. So ordinarily, you'd have an apprenticeship uh, program that's sitting a bit behind it to actually get the next generation in. But that's only just started. So this pool's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Well, what happens around that is that you've got this demand that gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And we've seen that. We've seen sales demand in the home improvement sector getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's great. That's the outer ring. And that should be that should be fantastic. Now, the people in the middle, the guys in the middle, um, are all doing really well. But there's more work than they know what to do with, which means on a supply and demand basis, their, their money goes up. Brilliant. They're more valuable yesterday, today than they were yesterday, which in short term sounds really, really good. But what actually happens is around that nucleus of tradespeople and on that outer ring of demand, you have this thick band. And that thick band is empty right now. 
And what will happen is in typical uh, fashion, and we've seen this before in other industries, is that band will be filled by opportunists. And this will be people coming into the industry thinking, hold on a minute, kitchen installers worth how much a day? Brilliant, I'll have some of that. And all of a sudden that then gets clouded. Reputational damage happens. People don't aspire to come into this industry because it's got a bad reputation. Consumers decide not to uh, invest in that industry because it's on watchdog every week. Rogue traders are highlighting kitchen fitters every other day. And, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself a major, major problem for this industry. And you only have to look at some of the other industries that have seen this over the years. Look at, look at the double glazing industry back in the 80s. You were, if you were going to get double glazing in the 80s, you were going to get ripped off. And if you didn't get ripped off, you were lucky. Fast forward all those years, and let's take a modern day example of that, and let's look at solar. Let's look at renewable energies and the government plowing money into renewable energies and incentivizing consumers to do the right thing. All of a sudden, the small nucleus of people that could do it became really valuable. The consumer uh, drive was driven by government grants to, to actually get this stuff done, and that void that existed got filled with opportunists. And all of a sudden, you now see energy ombudsmen popping up, mm. uh, alternative dispute, uh, specialising in renewable energies. Uh, and that's because the industry was flooded by rogues. And that, sadly, is where we're heading. However, we've got an option. We can either accept that and go, we're all doomed, or you can get up and you can do something about it. That's exactly what we're doing. We're going out. We're, we're creating apprenticeship opportunities. We're creating apprenticeship frameworks and standards, as they're now called, uh, with government. We're collaborating with training providers. We're collaborating with schools. We're collaborating with women's football clubs um, just so we can take another angle of, of, of vocational learning and speaking to a different audience, a demographic. And we're doing all of that. And we're collaborating with people like uh, Gary Baker and Fiesta. But because... it's something, that's something I'm so passionate about is that, is that you know, you can... you. There is, and there is. You're definitely right about the generations that just didn't get that kind of advice, mate. You know, CDT, whatever it was, that that disappeared from my school. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Disappeared yep. from yep. my school. The career advice was crap. I was a, I was a kid from a West London council estate that worked on a market stall, bought yep. a builder's merchant, you know, summer job, escaped 10 years later, sales director. That went okay. Don't know how I did that. Set my own business up. And you, you kind of go from there. But 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 I can, you know, if, if, if you put me in front, and I do this, put me in front of a school or college, where a prison, a prison, put me in front of them and let me talk about what I've done and the, and the jobs and the roles and the opportunities there. And you can inspire. And if there are the right apprenticeships, and I've seen good, bad, average, indifferent, I've got examples of that here, you know, here in my own company, yeah, with a recruitment apprenticeship and a social media digital content apprenticeship. One was, you know, delivered excellently. One was delivered appallingly. But that, yeah. that, that's a different conversation. But but there is, I believe, so much talent out there that, there could, that could come into the industry and, yeah. and let it compete with, with some of the others out there because yeah. it's, it's, there's amazing pathways, like, like genuine job security and, and genuine opportunity. But are, are, are we collectively actually really, really doing that. And, and Gary spoke about some of the things they're doing with Fiesta and, you know, supporting people and, and linking them up with the right ones. And I, I think if you if you do partner with the right people and, and get the messages out there, 
there there are the the, the the people that might not always be the top of the class at academic or might not be the you know they might not stand out in, in different reasons but you notice them in a room or you've got there's something to work with there's potential that it can become special for them mate so i applaud anything like that i really do because you're recognizing a problem and and you're not wrong man like like there, there are kitchen salesmen that are looked at the same as a double glazing salesman a car salesman or whatever and you know, designers will say we design we don't sell but that gets you to point x doesn't it but the installation can turn i mean i, do, I, mean, I did it when we when i did everything for you a couple of kbbs ago you know cameron diaz or brad pitt can can, can design your or tom hardy can design your kitchen it can look beautiful but if it's messed up on installation those, You're in trouble. Just, those people there are just as important and and that's Absolutely. something I, I really want I'm glad we got on here because yeah. I'm thinking more and more that way now that you know there are going to be so many people looking for new for looking for a job again wanting to get re-employed that we can actually do so much for people if we do it together so keep doing what you're doing mate and keep and keep putting that message out there thank you mate I certainly will So to finish off the podcast, I want to talk about two things with you, mate. The first I'm going to talk about is two pie, two mash, two liquor. Would you have a bowl of studios and liquor on the side as well, or is that just a little bit too much? That's too much for me, mate. Yeah, uh, yeah the studios bit. And I'll be honest with you, mate, I don't know if you remember me from yesteryear, but uh, when I was 20 stone, double pie, double mash, uh, single liquor was, was, was what I do or what I did. Now I don't do that, mate. So sadly, mate, and I, and I am letting the team down here, and I know this, it's single pie, single pie, single mash. Yeah, right, I, I still go to, uh, to 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 Harrington's, mate, on Selkirk Road Two. In my, my granddad used to take me there. I take my boys there, and and we actually were going to go. It was full of Brentford on the day of lockdown, so we were going Friday afternoon. We were going to have two pie, two mash, two liquor. We get the, we get the eels of liquor in the middle. Yeah, you know, it's on the benches. Right? It's it's, like, it's what I grew up on. It's the food of love, and and again, yeah. it just shows you social media. I, I remember being like a bit, a bit, bit up against it that afternoon, and I think I don't know who you was having banter. About. I think you put yes, some pie, but someone was delivering it, and you put it out there, and I just like, that just made me smile. Yeah, you know, it made me smile. My my missus still she still talks about because my nan used to work in a biomass shop in Fulham and stuff like that. Yeah, she still talks about my nan teaching her how to make the liquor at home and stuff like that. So listen, it's still good when she does it, but it's not like going in the shop, mate. Do you know, what not I mean? like going so in the shop. Where's your local one, mate? You go to the Beckham one in Wolfham Abbey. That's not that far I, from you. I don't. I don't actually, mate. No. So remember, I'm a South East London boy. So Manzies, mate, is it? I only know now. Manzies is a good call, mate. That was in Deptford, but that was probably one step too far for me as a youngster. It used, to, it used to be Goddard's and still is for me now. Goddard's yeah, yeah. on a one-way system. So they've moved out of a tiny little shop that, that there's now a DLR station plonked on the top. And I think a McDonald's and a Starbucks, sadly, uh, albeit I do like a Starbucks. Uh, but they've actually moved into onto the, the Greenwich one-way system and, uh, and they're in an old pub now. So much bigger, much better in terms of people in there. But far too many tourists, mate, going right, there. That's the, that's the thing with old uh, Manzies down Tower Bridge Road, mate. It's, it's, it's like a tourist one, isn't it? I always used yeah. to go, when I used to work in South East London, I was repping for Travis, like Deptford, Forest Deal, Rotherive, all, 
Peckham. Yeah. All that way was my area. And I always used to go to the Manzies on Peckham, uh, on Peckham, just off Peckham High Road, because it, yeah. it was much more hardcore, mate. You know what I mean? That was a that was a pie and mash only, mate. It wouldn't take the photo and do that. But, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's for me, like, like like a world that time forgot. And I'm, and I, and I'm just, I, I still love going to the one in Tooting, because it was where, where we used to go. And that was like, that was like an afternoon out for me as a kid. Do you know what I mean? We, me, me, Nan, and my granddad, we'd go there. He walk over to the market afterwards and get a book or yeah. stuff like that, and we go back over to Fulham, and it's it, it's just lovely grub. And people don't people don't take me seriously when I when I talk. So I'm evangelical about it. It's something I grew up on. Do you know what it is? It is for me. Is it's not just about the food. The food is lovely. It's basic food. It's cheap food. You know, but it's absolutely lovely, hearty. It works on a hot day as it does on a cold day. It's a really, you know, it's a really sort of uh, a great substance. Uh, I wouldn't say you'd eat it every day, otherwise I'd go back to my 20 stoner again. But uh, the thing for me is actually the memory, a bit like yourself, yeah. is the memories that are invoked by it. And, and it goes hand in hand with football with me and, and, and times that I spent with my nan and with, you know, with my dad over the years and, and something that I'm trying to get my kids remember, into. You remember, you just have to, have to queue to get in the gash, didn't you? You used yeah, to have to queue, yeah, right? Yeah. And my, my grand and my, my nan and my grand, they time it, right? So if the tray came out and there was only a few left on the tray, they'd like hold back and wait for the hot tray to come out and, and, then, and then go back in and let people go. It's like, it was like tactical. And but listen, eels one step too far for me, mate. Uh, I've never been a fan of well, it. I tried it once. My old nan tried to get me on it years ago. It wasn't for me, so I've never looked at it again. No, it's, uh, it is, but do you know what? It's, it's, it's the food of the working classes. It's something to be proud of, and, and right. it's nostalgic. So, so last bit of nostalgia before, before we wrap the podcast up, mate. Yeah. How successful was your big red bus at the KBB, mate? That come out of yeah. nowhere. Junior, oh, mate. Well done. Bosh, uh, have some of that. Yeah, I was absolutely delighted with it, really. Uh, Where did it, I it come from? Uh, do you know what, actually? I'll be completely honest with you. Again, because we're the, the industry's poor relation, Everything we do has got to be done on a budget. So if you if you've ever if you've ever displayed at KBB or any exhibition for that much, you'll realise how bloody expensive these things can be, uh, and they can you know laying of a temporary carpet, which sort of stuff that you chuck in your garage, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pounds to to hire a flat screen TV, hundreds and hundreds of pounds, you know when you can buy the thing for probably two hundred quid in the first place and. So, so we, there's no point of, of us even trying to compete with a stand build. Uh, so you, you have to become creative. Uh, well, of course, the British Institute, I don't think there's anything more iconic than sort of a, a big red sort of London bus when you think of Britain. And when tourists think of Britain, they think of red buses and policemen and soldiers outside Buckingham Palace. And there will always be a route master in the heart of, uh, of anybody uh, who thinks Perfect. about Britain. So so that was that was the number one driver for us. But... But then I was sat in here and, and, and for years I've always said to people, now's your time to get involved in the Institute. You know, you really need to start opening up your peripheral vision, even if you think you have nothing to do with installations. I don't offer installations or I only make taps, I don't install them. You have to think that somebody has got to fit that. So installations should be an integral part of your thinking. It might not be the forefront, but it should be part of your thinking. So I've always said it's time for you to get on board. 
And then, uh, of course, a, a colleague of mine said when I spoke about the bus and brought that over, the, you know, brought that up at the board meeting, they said, uh, "Oh, you could use that as an opportunity to, you know, for people to get on the bus." And I went, okay, "Boom!" Have that back of the net. Quality, mate. Do you know what? It was genius. And, and like again, you know, it's, it's what you remember. So for me, the 14 bus, it started at Putney Heath, over down Putney High Street, Putney Bridge, yeah. along Fulham Road, went right past my flats, mate, by Fulham Broadway. I never yeah. paid on that, mate. I used to jump on that, jump off that, avoid the old conductor, and that was in. In the days when you have a fag upstairs sitting at the back, right? it's a, it's a, it's 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 a world that time forgot, mate. But the red, but the yeah. red bus number fourteen, it is for me, is always sort of close to my heart. And again, really? it just shows you that we can we can take nostalgia, we can take things that we used to love and bring them into the future, mate. So fair yeah. play for doing that. It's Thanks, of ideas that stand out. Um, maybe you get an aeroplane next with the smoking seats at the back because we were talking about them before we recorded, weren't we? Uh, listen, mate. I've already I've already got the solution for next time. A, a, you can't do the same because that becomes boring, and there's no way you could take a step back. So we've got plans for the next KBB, and uh, yeah, I think you'll be impressed by right, it, well, mate. <laughs> mate, listen, that this is it's a little long while ago, and I think it'll be a different KBB when it goes it again. Will, I mean, everything's going to be different. But Damien, mate, look, we, we've nearly done an hour. I know we're both tight for time, so this has been like an amazing conversation, and I think that's. The, the most natural conversations always make the best podcast for my listeners. So we're going to share this. We'll put it out to everyone. Promise me something, mate. We'll give it a couple of months and we'll get you, we'll get you on again and talk about how your members are getting on and what we're Brilliant. doing because it's, uh, it's always good to talk to you, mate. Consider it done. Thanks a lot, mate. Top man, mate. So that's the end of today's Foyne Jones show. We're Foyne Jones. That's Damien Walters from the BIKBBI. We've spoke pie and mash, big red buses, and what this gentleman and his organisation are do, doing to protect the future of the industry. Stay safe, keep healthy, and be positive. Top man, Damien. Take care, mate. Cheers, mate. So that's the end of the show. We're Foyne Jones. Stay safe, keep healthy, be positive, because together we will get through this.